0: Oh, mm-hmm. oh, mm-hmm. and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller, and I'm Matt Henry,
1: and we are introducing today the doctrine of apostasy, which is, as usual, a fun happy-go-lucky type of topic, but that's what we do here on this podcast. So what we want to do is a, a short series on the nature of what apostasy is, um, because it's very, very misunderstood by many people. Um, we see this all the time as pastors, um, and and it's just something that's worth thinking through. So uh, Matt and I were literally literally talking about this very issue just a a few days ago with another
0: elder a few minutes ago because this is our second time trying to record this yeah we got halfway through and then we found out the batteries were low
1: (laughs) (laughs) so now we're plugged into ac power and we're hoping that it's actually recording we have no idea if it is yeah uh, but anyhow, so before the, no, I was going to say a really bad joke, just repent of that. So anyhow, we aside from just a few minutes ago, we we were talking with a fellow elder about a guy who apostatized uh, in our church a few years ago and, and just a very unhappy slide into gr- more and more and more grievous sin uh, as a result of it. And But what, what's really sad is how many of the people who witnessed that and were participating in it as observers, I guess. Um, How many of them were critical of us when we called it for what it was? I mean, we literally sat with the man and asked him, do you understand what you're doing? Do you Do you know this? Are you denying these things? Do you now no longer call Jesus the Christ? Do you not believe he is God in human flesh? Do you not believe the... And he just overtly said, no, I don't. I understand. I understand. We told him, do you understand that by apostatizing, there is no further repentance? He's like, I understand. And he walked away and people became critical of us that somehow we were mean. And it's like, we didn't abandon Jesus, but... There was just that g- gross misapprehension of the severity of what was going on in his life. And now since that time, what, four years, five years, well, more than that, I don't
0: know,
1: yeah. uh, has passed. And we just watched his life from afar just go worse and worse and worse because it's the effects of that reality. So um, it's very disheartening for anyone to witness a person go into it. Some of you, I'm sure, have seen it. Uh, we also are convinced, though, that some people have witnessed a person go into apostasy and they don't realize what they're looking at. And so uh, we want to try to lay out for you over a series of uh, podcasts what apostasy actually is, and and hopefully in doing that, we can help you. So today is going to be a fairly short one. It's merely an introduction, and we're going to start by uh,
0: describing what it's not. So, yeah. so these are some initial thoughts on this um it is helpful to begin as you said to make a distinction on what apostasy isn't and the first thing that we would say is that apostasy is not the same thing as church discipline Um, now apostasy can ultimately be the result of that but it's not necessarily the same thing so remember the focus of church discipline you can go back and get our episode that we did on that. But the focus of church discipline is upon the sin that's being held onto by a professing Christian. Um, and that's the key idea there is it's a one who is still professing Christ. Um, now, the Bible never assumes that when you make a profession of faith or a profession of trust in Jesus Christ as Lord, that you are in fact, definitely a believer. And we have conversations about this stuff all the time. Um, people who seem so sure in the faith right now um, we don't just assume that they're going to finish, <laughs> no, right? No, um, the Bible doesn't. Right. And yeah, so we, we just because you have a strong profession of faith in Christ and right now you love the church, you love the gospel, we're not foolish enough to assume that that means that you will finish your well,
1: race. the case in point with this gentleman that I just made reference to, we were actually— asking him to sit with the elders with the possibility that he might become an elder. So we were seeing externally some things that were very promising, but then right. if you remember our conversations, we started seeing some things that he was saying and thinking and doing that were disturbing us, and unbeknownst to us, that was just the tip of the iceberg. So yeah, it's very important. Don't assume
0: that just because a person starts well, that they end well right? at all. Yeah, and so as you said, the Bible doesn't assume that. Um but it does teach us to embrace a person who's professing Christ. We are to embrace him as a believer, assuming that their profession is based upon the actual gospel. Yeah. So you
1: also don't go through your life looking sidewards at the guy like, or, right. Or maybe, trying to, yeah, maybe he's not. Yeah.
0: Keep questioning them. Then basically try and talk them out of what they believe. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we've had that too, haven't we? <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't um, do that. Yeah. Right. Um, so the, the Bible instructs uh, the church to to teach sound doctrine um, and teach it in such a way that it's expected to be obeyed, um, that people are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the means by which they will persevere, right. in fact. Uh, also, it instructs the church to be holy. The professing believer is to, re- um, you know, for the professing believer to remain in unrepentant sin uh, requires the church to discipline a person out as an unbeliever. Um, In other words, uh, you're to be viewed as an almost Christian. Um, But it also means that there's an opportunity to repent and return, um, which is the purpose of church discipline, restoration. Right. Or you're an apostate. You prove yourself to be an apostate. Now, the
1: way you know that is by hardening yourself to the point that you then, even having been disciplined out, you just simply then overtly deny and reject Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people who have been disciplined who still would hold that their hope and faith is in Christ. We're going to treat them as an unbeliever because they have undergone church discipline. But if they're truly in Christ, they will repent um, and they will return. That's a, a beautiful reality of the scripture that we'll get into later into a different podcast. But the other option is that end result is that the church discipline, though it's similar, it's separate, it ultimately will show you to be what you are, an apostate. So, along with that, though, you go into the Old Testament history, because a lot of people think maybe apostasy is something relatively new, or it's in the New Testament, but you just read the Old Testament, and everything is marked by apostasy apostasy as being the norm. So from the moment sin entered the world, you have those who actively are rejecting Yahweh. Um, and of course, the greatest example would be sadly Israel. And so you look at Deuteronomy where a Moses is at the end of his life, They're about ready to enter finally into the promised land. He's not allowed to go in because of his sin, but he has to teach them a song. So he gathers all of the nation, and he's like, okay, here's the song. You're going to learn, every one of you, and you're going to sing it. And in reality, the song is not a happy one, but it's a song prophesying that they will, as a nation, rebel and apostatize. And that's really sad because their parents had already done that. They all buried their moms and dads in the desert, in the wilderness, because of their apostasy 40 years earlier in rejecting the promised land. And so this is something the writer of Hebrews actually picks up and uses as an example of warning the church to not apostatize because they they assume they're believers, but he's like, you'll prove that you're a believer by actually entering into eternity with full faith. But if you are like Israel, then you began with faith. It looks like you're saved, but in fact, you're you're not uh, because you apostasize, and so you see it with judges repeated over and over and over again. Everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. Um, you see the apostasy and the splitting of the kingdoms. Um, where Israel and the 10 tribes of Israel went off on their own, and they abandoned everything right. They abandoned priesthood, the temple, the law, the sacrifices. Instead, they go after every god under the sun until they're led away into destruction. And so Paul even talks about that in Romans 11, um, where he warns us, anyone who is a Gentile as a believer, that they shouldn't ever be arrogant against the uh, apostate Jew because— in reality, they should fear because it could happen to them as well. We don't know fully the mind of God. And so he says, don't don't ever be arrogant toward these people uh, because you too could be cut off just like God cut off them and they weren't expecting that
0: either. Yeah, um, and then beginning of Jesus' ministry, it's uh, actually the, his ministry is marked by consistent apostasy. Uh, in John 6, 35 through 66, for instance, you have this story. Um, this this is a day the, the uh, after the feeding of the 5,000, the crowds are there looking for Jesus in Capernaum and they find him and they're wanting breakfast. They need food. Um, he then just turns the table on him and begins to speak of himself as being the true bread of life and um, the one who's going to cause them to never thirst again. Uh, there, There's then this incredible, incredible amount of teaching on the glory of God and the salvation of sinners, the whole purpose for why he's come. Um, <laughs> it's not to feed them breakfast. <laughs> right. Um, uh, then there's this revelation that that the Father has given people for the Son to save. Um, you, there's that teaching on the reality of that all of them will come and that none of them shall be lost. Uh, there's a the fearsome uh, truth that unless the Father draws us and grants us the privilege to come and to be saved and there is no hope. Um, and so he's just going through all of this teaching, and then he ends it all with the idea that he is that he himself is the true food and the true drink, and that they must partake of him to live. Um, now, as a note, that's not a reference to the Lord's Supper, as some commonly argue, but rather it's a reference to uh, Jesus being the source of life, um, and the the idea of him eating and drinking is it, it there? It's in parallelism with. The coming of jesus or believing and beholding jesus yeah you go back to like 35 6 7 and 8
1: uh, those verses and it's the same phrase he who comes to me i will in no wise cast up i'll raise him up on the last day he who believes in me here he says he who eats of me and drinks of me uh shall be raised up on the last day the same thing it's he's just it's just a metaphor yeah uh, of faith, coming, loving, obeying, believing, etc. cetera. Yeah.
0: Um, that then leads to an argument <laughs> by the Jews. <laughs> of which, course. It, yeah. i <laughs> um, all not be surprised by that. And, um, and then more instruction in the synagogue in Capernaum. Um, and then from there, this is what's said in verses 60 through 64. Uh, it says, therefore, many of his disciples, when they had heard this said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. So, clear statement of the nature of apostasy there. Yeah. And then early verse
1: 66 picks that up and says, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So it, it even builds off that a little bit more that here they were his disciples. Now, having heard this very hard doctrine, mm. not so much. Yeah.
0: Well, it's a, it, and it's also a good commentary on how many people approach the Christian life. Um, they come to jesus wanting something right um here it is that they're wanting food they're wanting a temporary fix essentially um but then ultimately they don't walk away from all that following him um it's all right we'll take what you're going to give us now but we're done here well and that's part of our
1: grave concern we have over the modern current situation of preaching today where we've basically reduced them to this therapist yeah. Um, this guy who's going to fix your habits, your addictions, your problems, whatever it is. And so as long as he keeps his side of his supposed bargain that he never made, he, right. Yeah. Um, th- they're with you, mm-hmm. but the moment trials and tribulation that he's promised will be yours come upon you, yeah. bam, you're gone.
0: Yeah. And you're right. Well, so I just wrote an article for, uh, the NAM blog. And I wrote it on what the coronavirus has revealed about the state you of the church. You wrote
1: an article for North American Mission Board. I did. Yeah.
0: Did they ask you? Yes. They didn't ask me. What's well, that tell? Well, you're not a church planter. I know. <laughs> you're but a mere humble sending church. <laughs> but I want to <laughs> write an article. <laughs> <laughs> well, send somebody an email. Maybe they'll let you. Um, yeah. Anyhow, that's but, uh, cool. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. So one one of the things I pointed out is actually what the and you know I went real negative on it. I said of course a lot the church is responding well in many ways, but there's also many things that it it's revealing about the church. And I said one of them is it's revealing the state of the pulpit, um, but also the state of what many pastors think of the scripture. Um, because it's been amazing to see how many in the midst of all the fear and anxiety that's taking place how quickly they've just set aside the Bible and have run towards some like secular 12-step anxiety-free living or something like that. And this is just the stuff that Jesus is, is your you know, therapy. He's your medicine. Right. He's your quick fix to something. And it's like, <clears throat> that's not what the church is. No. Nor who Jesus is, but. No,
1: but I, I, having said that then, I'm not gonna be shocked when you look at many of the churches that preach like that and you see countless people over the long term who simply apostasize because this is not what they sign up for, yeah. you know, and, and also is a great passage to, about the depth of doctrine. Jesus is talking to people who are at best young in faith and he is getting in, into the deep waters uh, here of, of God's electing grace, you know, this whole idea of the doctrines of grace. He's in them thoroughly and he doesn't care if people walk away he's not being harsh he's not being a mean cage fighter type calvinist right but he is laying out things very truthfully and he understands doctrine will ultimately divide sound doctrine will always do its work and my my plea to anyone is if you're in a church with weak doctrine you need to get out of there you need to go find a place where sound doctrine's taught because it's it's not good for your soul
0: yeah um,
1: oh, so the next one we would go is John chapter 8. And now this is a long one, so we're not going to read the whole thing. But in John eight thirty to 42, it's actually one of my favorite passages to take people to to make this point. Uh, Now, Jesus, as if you know anything about the book of John, he's been making more declarations regarding who he was um, and is. Uh, He makes a strong statement in this section about being the son of man and that he only did the will of his father. And what's fascinating is right after that, in verse 30, uh, it says, And as he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. If you know anything about John and his gospel, when you believe in Jesus, then you sh- you have eternal life. You shall never perish, right? And, and so this idea is that they believed in him, therefore they must be saved. They are believers, come on up, let's get you baptized, let's, you know, boom, boom, boom. But the very next sh- uh, verse shows us uh, really what he thinks about these people who— uh, believed in him. It's, everything is not quite what it appears to be. So it says in verses 31 and 32, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. By the way, a passage frequently taken out of context. Okay. Um But what's interesting and important is that by verse 33, these very same people who believed in him are now showing arrogance of the highest sort. And so they're like, well, wait, wait, what do you mean we'll be set free? How can we be set free? We're Abraham's children. Mind you, they're under Roman occupation right now. (laughs) (laughs) But aside from that. And so he, he points out to them that all who sin are, in fact, slaves to sin. And he tells them that his word does not have a place in them. Now, that would have been a really good warning right there, where the ones who say, I believe in you, and then he says these simple words, and they're like already arguing with them. The moment that he says, my word doesn't have a place in you, they should have backed it up and said, maybe we should put a hand over our mouth like Job did and shut up. But instead, they assert that Abraham is their father again, like that's supposed to mean something. And so he tells them that Abraham is only their true father if they obey like he did. And then he says it very bluntly in the later verses. He says, look, Abraham is not your father, Satan is, and that they were in reality trying to kill him. They did not believe him. They did not follow him. And so, what you have in this passage is, uh, in the span of a few min- minutes, you go from revival to apostasy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, that didn't work well. I mean, yeah. can you picture a Billy Graham crusade and everyone walking forward and, and at the end of about 10 minutes, they're all like sent away, kicked out. You know, yeah. But that's what's happening. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's, a, it's ama- Just preaching through Luke, it's amazing how much these especially the Pharisees, but Jews in general, like they're, how much they're banking on their bloodline. Oh, yeah. And Jesus over and over again, he's just like, I'll raise up children from these stones. You know, It has nothing to do with the blood in your veins. Um, but because it all centers around obedience and the working out of a true faith in that sense. Uh, and I, another one, Jesus consistently spoke of apostasy, for instance, in Matthew seven twenty two and following. Um, he says, many are gonna do things in the name of Jesus. Um that as we pointed out in many episodes before, that is not at all the same thing as actually being known by him. Right. Um, and, and frankly, that's all that matters. The apostate is a talker, uh, but they're not an obeyer. Uh So they, they build on a foundation of sand rather than a foundation of rock, as Jesus talks about, and cannot therefore withstand the times of testing or hardship. And this is interesting to us as pastors, as so many people are um typically scrambling for relief from hardships as Christians right. uh, rather than realize that those hardships are the moments of proving their faith. what once you once that clicks, you you approach hardships
1: so differently, um, because you understand this is an opportunity to remain faithful. This is an opportunity for me to place again and affirm, but when you see them, just screaming for relief and we got to get out of this and all, oh, I don't know. It, it causes me to really fear for their soul because it's like, somehow you're thinking God gave you a raw deal. Um, when, when he promised you, Um, that through many tribulations you'll enter the kingdom of God. He promised you that, and over and over again, in every book of the New Testament, in one way or another, the promise is reasserted in various ways, and yet the moment we're struck by these things, it can't be, it can't be. Um, but it's it's actually a beautiful thing when you realize this is an opportunity for me to model uh christ and my faith in christ and and lift high his faithfulness and so with the even the coronavirus situation what i'm watching with some people it's just disheartening yeah you know they're 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 literally filled with fear um and it's like your hand your i mean your life is in the hand of your creator just be at peace just yeah. be at
0: peace but yeah. One one of the things I'm always wanting to point out to people too is if the perfect son was murdered, <laughs> <laughs> why are we shocked that God will use pain to just sanctify us, you know? Um, so we ought not to be shocked at those things and yeah, respond to them well and rightly, but... <laughs> You got one here, Matthew 24. Yeah,
1: verse 11.
0: Uh, we won't unpack the whole chapter in
1: any way, shape, or form, but it says in that passage, he says, many fought prophets shall arise and will mislead many. So one of the things that Jesus is very obviously blunt about is there's going to be false teaching, false prophets, and they're going to be misleading many. It's a very well-known passage. Uh, it deals with the nature of the end of time, um, so, it's an the fancy word is an eschatological text, um, and it's therefore also, because it's eschatological, it's very debated as to how it should be interpreted, and we're not going to get into that uh, here. Uh, we're just going to deal with what we need to deal with. He, he connects that, though, is that in the last days, in the last days, these many prophets will arise and will mislead many. And it's interesting because when you track that concept of last days, it shows up in Acts chapter two, verse sixteen, where Peter says that the coming of the Spirit is a mark that we are now in the last days. Um, it's marked out by that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and so you and I, we we are still living in the last days, just like they were back then. Uh, and so then, when you start coming to some of the other text in the New Testament, and you see that term last days, you shouldn't necessarily think, oh, that's someplace in the future. That's what we're in. We're in these last days. So 2 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4, he says, know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Now, this is just like what Christ said, false prophets coming up and they're going to mislead. Here's some people, they're coming in and they're saying, so where's his coming? Come on, prove it, prove it. And so we have a sense of what's to be expected in these days. Um, People who are really controlled by their own desires, they're calling into question the simple foundational truths of the gospel, and the result of that is that they are seeking to mislead people, and for the elect, they will remain ultimately firm, but for the apostate, they will fall away. They will turn and follow after these doctrines of demons. Mm-hmm. Um, you you want to do the First Timothy
0: one? Yeah, and so then uh, on that line, um, he's he, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy and basically giving him this instruction and warning. He says, but the Spirit explicitly says, so can't be much clearer. Uh, <laughs> and yet? <laughs> uh, explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith. How paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. These are men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know truth. So, just some observations here. First, some will fall away, uh, guaranteed. And again, it's the spirit himself has prophesied. Yeah.
1: And it's from the faith, not their faith, but the faith, which is that body of truth called the gospel and and sound doctrine.
0: Yeah. And and of course that's contrasted with false truth. Right. um, Where he says, how, how's that going to happen? Well, by paying attention to deceitful spirits, these, these doctrines of demons that are listening to false teachers and false practices based off those teachings. Um, And so a simple conclusion on that is legalism, And lies are always the tools of false teachers. Um, It's always attacking at a point of truth, which is in perfect alignment with their father, the devil. That's how he works. It's always lies, deception, um, an attack on the truth. Um, But also, they themselves then become the tool of God to reveal the heart of many who claim to follow and believe in Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, so they're forbidding marriage, or they're forbidding certain foods, or whatever it might be. We have adults still to this day, people doing that, and yet Ultimately, they're going to be used of God to cleanse the church in a very sad way, though. Yeah. Uh, then another passage um, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 through 4. Again, let me read that quickly. Finally, brethren, pray for us. Why? So that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you, and that we will be rescued from a perver- from perverse and evil men. For not all have faith— but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. So this is a great passage on perseverance is Paul desires their prayers. Why? So that he and his companions will persevere. He, he, he's not stupid and says, well, I'm an apostle, so therefore I'm good to go. Um... He needs their prayers so that he will persevere and also be rescued from these false believers. Why? Because he says, well, not all have faith. They they profess to have it, but he has watched them and heard them and listened, and, and he realizes these are men without faith, and they're creating all kinds of problems. And it's very key for all of us to know, because time will tell of your faith and. And our faith. Okay. Um, many are saying today that they have done what they have done, and and what they believe, and and all of that. But in the end, they will all will the. The question is, will they all be standing blameless and with great joy before the Lord? That's the real question. And we have just, I've been doing this long enough that it's it's tiring. It's just tiring. Men I've gone to seminary with who are nowhere to be found, <laughs> um, and you're like, what happened to you? What Horrible thing happened that you just walked away from this, and so it just because you say I have faith doesn't mean that you have faith. Right. You only hope and believe, and there, there's there's an, a concept there that we will teach on later about what what to do in persevering. So he also sees though the hope found not in his faithfulness or even the believers in Thessalonica, but he he's wise in saying but. The faithfulness of the lord is what's key and so in that light he then exhorts him continue to obey and follow their lead you know it's it's what any pastor wise pastor is going to say is look you don't start saying that you got it, because the moment you do that, you're not looking to the faithfulness of God, you're looking to your your strength, and that that's frightening. Uh, we, we are way too prone to wander. Look to the faithfulness of God, cling to His faithfulness, cling to the faithfulness of His promises in the Word, and then as you hear these things, obey Him. Mm-hmm. What a simple concept. It's not sexy. It's not going to sell books. It's not going to make people no longer have anxiety but it will cost you to persevere to the end
0: yeah there's that it was that corinthians passage of take heed when you stand yeah lest you fall yeah um but an, we,
1: we 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 stop with oh yeah i'm standing it's right. like on ice <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's hot out <laughs> it's not gonna end well dude just yeah. look to oh yeah so uh, again this is just an introduction um the next time that we, we, we talk about the subject, we're going to begin to look at some more of the key passages that deal with the idea and the, this reality of apostasy. Um, and because it is a controversial and emotional subject, we're going to try and be careful as to how we address it and talk about these passages so that clarity can result and not just, um, you know, muddy...
1: Yeah. It's not going to be you and I just chuckling and laughing and cracking jokes about it. We're going to actually tear into passages. So like so many of our things, if you're able to do this with the Bible open, it will be worth your time.
0: Yeah. And then just a final point on this, um, apostasy happens all the time, but often we just don't see it. Um, the, The Bible's not just being silly or flippant when we read of warnings to guard the church and to guard our own hearts. Um, especially as you work through the book of Hebrews. Um, (laughs) Which we will. Yeah. And so in light of that though, we just say who you listen to and who speaks into your heart and into your home is very, very important. Um, There are many voices. And just because they started the journey with Christ, that does not mean that they will end it with him. And so it's just important to keep that in mind. Therefore understanding and that, that undergirding this whole doctrine is that even greater doctrine known as perseverance of the Saints it's not just one saved all saved no we know what they mean but that's not but it's not right. helpful right um, so we're again we're gonna seek to develop that at some point here so um, but until then we would say make sure to tune in, join the conversation let us know what you think about the topic of apostasy and don't forget to like, share, comment rate and review connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and tell a friend.